Examination and Objections Let us then examine whether we put forth this holy violence for heaven. What is an empty profession without this? It is like a lamp without oil. Let us all ask ourselves, what violence do we use for heaven? Number one, do we strive with our hearts to get them into a holy frame? How did David awaken all the powers of his soul to serve God? Psalm 57 verse 8. I will awake myself early. Number two. Do we set time apart to call ourselves to account and to try our evidences for heaven? Psalm 77 verse 6. My spirit made diligent search. Do we take our hearts as a watch in all pieces to see what is amiss and to mend it? Are we meticulously inquisitive into the state of our souls? Are we afraid of artificial grace as of artificial happiness? Number three, do we use violence in prayer? Is there fire in our sacrifice? Does the wind of the Spirit filling our sails cause groans that are unutterable? Romans 8 verse 26. Do we pray in the morning as if we were to die at night? Number four. Do we thirst for the living God? Are our souls big with holy desires? Psalm 73 verse 25. Quote. There is none upon earth that I desire beside you. Close quote. Do we desire holiness as well as heaven? Do we desire as much to look like Christ as to live with Christ? Is our desire constant? Is this spiritual pulse always beating? Number five. Are we skilled in self-denial? Can we deny our ease, our aims, our interest? Can we cross our own will to fulfill God's? Can we behead our beloved sin? To pluck out the right eye requires violence. Number six, are we lovers of God? It is not how much we do but how much we love. Does love command the castle of our hearts? Does the love of Christ constrain us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Do we love God more than we fear hell? Number seven. Do we keep our spiritual watch? Do we set spies in every place watching our thoughts? our eyes, our tongues. When we have prayed against sin, do we watch against temptation? The Jews, having sealed the stone of Christ's sepulcher, set a watch. Matthew chapter 27, verse 66. After we have been at the word, do we set a watch? Number eight. Do we press after further degrees of sanctity? Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, reaching forth unto those things which are before. 
A godly Christian is a wonder. He is the most contented, yet the least satisfied. He is contented with a little of the world, but not satisfied with a little grace. He would have still more faith and be anointed with fresh oil. Paul desired to, quote, attain unto the resurrection of the dead, close quote, Philippians chapter 3, verse 11. That is, he endeavored, if possible, to arrive at such a measure of grace as the saints shall have at the resurrection. Number nine, is there a holy emulation in us? Do we labor to outshine others in piety, to be more eminent for love and good works? Do we something which is singular? Matthew chapter 5, verse 47, quote, What do you do more than others? Close quote. Number 10, are we gotten above the world? Though we walk on earth, do we trade in heaven? Can we say as David in Psalm 139, verse 18, I am still with you? This requires violence, or motions upward are usually violent. Number 11. Do we set ourselves always under God's eye? Psalm 16, verse 8. Quote, I have set the Lord always before me. Close quote. Do we live soberly and godly, remembering that whatever we are doing, our judge looks upon? If it be thus with us, we are happy people. This is the holy violence that the text speaks of, and is the right way of taking the kingdom of God. And surely never did Noah so willingly put forth his hand to receive the dove into the ark, as Jesus Christ will put forth his hand to receive us into heaven. And before I press on to the exhortation, let me remove some objections that may be made against this blessed violence. Objection number one. But we have no power of ourselves to save ourselves. You bid us to be violent, as if you should bid a man chain fast in the fetters to walk. Well, it is true. We cannot, until grace comes, effectually operate to our own salvation. Before conversion, we are purely passive. And when God bids us convert and turn, this is to show us what we ought to do, not what we can do. Yet, let us do what we are able. We have power to avoid those rocks, which will certainly ruin our souls. I mean, gross sins. A man does not need to be in bad company. He does not need to swear or tell lies, nor would he do it if it were by law, death, to swear an oath. We have power to cast ourselves upon the use of means. That's praying, reading, holy conference. This will condemn men at the last day that they did not act so vigorously in their sphere as they might. They did not use the means and see whether God will give grace. God will come with that soliciting question at last. Quote, You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, 
so that when I returned, I would have it received back with interest. Close quote. Matthew chapter 25, verse 27. Why did not you improve that power which I gave you? Though we do not have power to save ourselves, yet we must pursue after salvation, because God has made a promise of grace as well as to grace. He has promised to circumcise our hearts, to put his spirit within us, to enable us to walk in his statutes, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27, so that by prayer we are to put the bond in suit and to press God with his own promise. Though I will not say with the Armenians that our endeavor, or that upon our endeavor, God is bound to give grace, yet he is not lacking to those who seek his grace. Nay, he denies his grace to none but those who willfully refuse it. Psalm 81, verse 11, quote, Israel would have none of me, close quote. Objection number two. But this offering violence is hard. Watson capitalizes the word hard here. And I shall never be able to go through it. Well, admit it to be hard. Yet it is a duty. and There is no disputing duty. God has made the way to heaven hard. To try our obedience. A child obeys his father though he commands him hard things. Peter's obedience and love was tried when Christ bade him to come to him upon the water. God does it that he may raise the price of heavenly things. With the kingdom of glory easily obtained, we would not much value its worth. And such is our nature that we slight things which are easily come by. If pearls were common, they would soon fall in their price. If Christ in heaven might be had without violence, these blessings of the first magnitude could not have been had in such high veneration. But let not the difficulty be objected. What if salvation work is hard? Number one, is it not harder to lay in hell? Is not suffering vengeance worse and offering violence. Number two, we do not argue so in other things. An estate is hard to come by. Therefore, we will sit still? No. Difficulty does the more wet and sharpen our endeavor. And if we take such pains for these inferior things, how should we for that which is more noble and sublime? The prophet will that's P-R-O-F-I-T, the prophet will abundantly countervail the labor. Number three, though the business of piety at first seems hard, yet when once we are entered into it, it is pleasant. When the wheels of the soul are oiled with grace, now a Christian moves in piety with facility and delight. Romans chapter 7, verse 22, quote, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, close quote. 
Christ's yoke at the first putting on seems heavy, but once it is on, it is easy. To serve God, to love God, to enjoy God is the sweetest freedom in the world. The poets say the top of Olympus is always quiet. The first climbing up the rocky hill of heaven is very hard to the flesh and the blood. But when we are gotten up towards the top, there is peace and delight. We see a pleasant prospect and are ready to cry out as Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, quote, It is good to be here, close quote. What hidden manna do we now find? This is the anticipation or foretaste of glory. Objection number three. But if I put myself upon this violent exercise in piety, then I shall lose that pleasure I have in my sin, my mirth and melody, and I shall exchange delight for labor. And so I shall be no more Naomi, but Mara. Voluptuous people speak as the fig tree in the parable. Judges chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. Shall I leave my fatness and sweetness, that is, all my former pleasures, and now offer violence to heaven, to live in a strict, mortified life? Well, this crosses the stream of corrupt nature. Leave the pleasure in sin. The scripture does so describe sin that one would think there should be little pleasure in it. Number one, Scripture calls sin a debt. Sin is compared to a debt of, quote, 10,000 talents, close quote. Matthew chapter uh, 18, verse 24. A talent of gold among the Hebrews was valued at almost 4,000 pounds. 10,000 talents is a figurative speech. To express how great a debt sin is. And do you call this a pleasure? Is it any pleasure for a man to be in debt? Number two, scripture calls sin a disease. Isaiah chapter one, verse five, quote, the whole head is sick, close quote. Well, is it any pleasure to be sick? Though all do not feel this sickness, Yet the less the distemper is felt, the more deadly it is. Number three, the scripture compares sin to gall and wormwood. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18. It breeds a bitter worm in the conscience. Sin stings a man with wrath. And do you call this a pleasure? Surely, you quote, put bitter for sweet, close quote. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. The pleasures of sin gratify only the senses of man and are not so. Pleasures are called carnal because they delight only the body. How absurd was that speech of the rich man in the gospel when he was speaking of his store of goods and his barns being full? saying, Soul, take your ease, Luke chapter 12, verse 19. 
He might have said more properly, Body, take your ease. For his soul was never the better for his riches, nor could it feel any delight in them. Though his barns were full, his soul was empty. Therefore, when Satan tells you, quote, if you use violence for heaven, you will lose all your pleasures, close quote, ask him, quote, what pleasures are they, Satan? Such as please only the senses? They do not delight the mind. They do not comfort the conscience. They are such delights wherein the brute creatures do exceed me, close quote. These sugared pleasures in sin, the scripture says, are but, quote, for a season, close quote. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25. They are like straw in a fire, which makes a blaze, but then is presently burned out. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. Quote, the world passes away, and the lust thereof, close quote. It passes away swiftly, as a ship under sail. Worldly pleasures perish in the using like a fleeting shadow or a flash of lightning. And are these to be preferred before an eternal weight of glory? The present sweetness which is in sin will turn to bitterness at last. Like the book The Prophet Ate, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 3. Sweet in the mouth, but bitter in the belly. Honey is sweet, but it turns to nausea. Sin is a sweet poison. It delights the palate, but torments the soul. When once the sinner's eyes come to be opened to death, and he feels some sparks of God's wrath in his conscience, then he will cry out in horror and be ready to lay violent hands upon himself. We may say, of the pleasures of sin, as Solomon says of wine, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 32, quote, Afterwards, it bites like a serpent, close quote. So, look not on the smiling pleasures of sin. Be not delighted with its beauty, but rather be affrighted of its sting. Do the damned in hell feel any pleasure now in their sins? As their cup of wrath one drop of honey in it? Oh, remember, after the golden crowns and women's hair come the lion's teeth. Revelation chapter 4, verse 7. Thus, I have answered the first part of the objection. I shall lose all my pleasures in sin. If I put forth this violence in piety, I shall exchange my delight for labor. I must dig away through the rock, and while I work, I must weep. Though you must use violence, yet it is a sweet violence. It is a labor turned into delight. Psalm 138, verse 5, quote, They shall sing in the ways of the Lord, close quote to send out faith as a spy to view the heavenly Canaan and pluck a bunch of grapes there. This is a great delight. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, quote, Joy in believing, 
close quote. To love God, in whom all excellencies are combined, how sweet is this! To love beauty is delightful. To walk among the promises as among beds of spices, and to taste the fruit, oh, how pleasant is this! The labor of a Christian brings peace of conscience and joy in the Holy Spirit. And whereas it is said that this holy violence takes away our joy, and while we work, we must weep, I answer. A Christian would not be without these tears. The tears of a saint, says Bernard, have more true joy in them than all worldly delights. The oil of joy is for mourners. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. Objection number 4. I would use this violence for heaven, but I shall expose myself to the censure and scorn of others. They will wonder to see me so altered and think it nothing but a religious frenzy. Well, number one, consider who will reproach you. They are the wicked. They are such, if Christ were alive on earth, that would reproach him. They are blinded by Satan, the god of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It is as a if a blind man should reproach a beautiful face. Number two, what do they reproach you for? Well, it is for offering violence to heaven. Is it a disgrace to be laboring for a kingdom? Tell them you're doing the work which God has set about. Better they should reproach you for working in the vineyard then God damn you for not working. Number three, Jesus Christ was reproached for your sake. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Quote, he endured the shame of the cross, close quote. And will not you be contented to bear reproaches for him? These are but the chips of the cross which are rather to be despised than laid to heart. Objection number five. If I use this holy violence and turn religious, then I shall lose such yearly profits, which my sin has brought in. As Amaziah said, quote, But what about the hundred talents I paid for these Israelite troops? Close quote. Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 9. Is there any profit in sin? Did anyone ever thrive upon that trade? By the time you have cast up the reckoning, you will find but little profit. Number one, by the incomes that sin brings in, you treasure up God's vengeance. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. While you put unjust gain in the bag, God puts wrath in his vial. Will you call this profit? Whatever money a man gets in a sinful way, he must pay interest for it in hell. Number two, 
that cannot be for your profit, which makes you come off as a loser at the last. You lose heaven and your soul. And what can countervail this loss? Quote, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Close quote. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. I'm sorry, Matthew verse, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Quote, God, close quote, says Chrysostom, quote, has given a man two eyes. If he loses one, he has another. But he has but one soul, and if that be lost, he is undone forever, close quote. Objection number six. But I have so much business in the world that I can find no time for this holy violence. As the king of Macedon said, when they presented him with a book treating of happiness, quote, I have no time for this, close quote. See the folly of this objection. What is the main business of life but looking after the soul? And for men to say they are so immersed in the world that they cannot mind their souls is most absurd and irrational. This is to make the greater give way to the lesser. As if a farmer should say, he is so busy looking after his hobbies that he has no time to plow or to sow. What is his occupation but plowing? Such madness is it to hear men say that they are so taken up about the world that they have no time for their own souls. Could God find time to think of your salvation? Could Jesus Christ find time to come into the world and be here 33 years in carrying on this great design of your redemption? And can you find no time to look after it? Is the getting a little money that which obstructs this violence for heaven? Your money will perish with you. Can you find time for your body? Time to eat and to sleep and not find time for your soul? Can you find time to use for your recreation and no time to use for your salvation? Can you find time for idle visits and no time to visit the throne of grace? Oh, take heed that you go not to hell in the crowd of worldly business. Joshua was a commander of an army, yet his work as a soldier was not to hinder his work as a Christian. He must pray as well as fight, and take the book of the law in his hand as well as the sword. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 You, whoever you are, who makes this objection, about worldly business, let me ask you, do you think in your conscience that this will be a good excuse at the last day when God shall ask you, quote, why did you not take pains for heaven, close quote? You shall say, quote, Lord, I was so steeped in worldly business that I was hindered, close quote. Was it a good plea 
for a servant to say to his master that he was so drunk that he could not work? Truly, it is a poor excuse to say that you, quote, were so drunk with the cares of the world that you could not be violent for the kingdom of God, close quote.